I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. <laughs> but I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Enough. <laughs> thirty-eight in a row. As in thirty-eight on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. All right, another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you Wednesday, October 28th. It's another loss Wednesday. It's another episode following a defeat. This time the Titans couldn't save me. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. Vols got their ass kicked by Alabama. No surprise. But it seems like people have been more angry coming out of this game than they were against Kentucky. Yeah, um, I will say that I... We acknowledged last week we fully expected to get absolutely throttled. Um, The whipping was not of any surprise. I still found myself extremely disgusted after the game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I was still very, like, I was just, like, not mad, just disgusted. Um, I mean... There was nothing that, like, I mean, we expected to lose badly. I don't even know what the final score was. Um, 45-17, I believe, was the final score. 45-17. I was going to say, like, 49-14. Yeah, like, I mean. Nope, do not forget, we kicked the field goal down 14 nothing from, you know, fourth and, on fourth and two. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, at the time, you know, like you said, you thought that was the right move because. Well, no, no, no. I, I didn't say it was the right move. I just said I understood why I did it. Yeah, because they would quit. I'd, like, I didn't have, like, I wanted him to go for it. I understood why he didn't. Um, I have a bigger problem with the play calls when we got the fumble at like midfield and we ran it three yeah. straight times and then punted. That was bad. So like, I mean, I'll just I, I was just gonna read off what I said to my best friend Luke Saturday after the game. He did not get to watch. He was sleeping. So he did the right thing and did not interrupt his sleep schedule to watch that ass whipping. I texted him when he finally woke up. I said, Pruitt sucks, buddy. So does Jim Chaney. I'll be stunned if Chaney is back next year after today. The defense is putrid. They're worse than last year. We were running draws down 28 to 10 on third down. We wouldn't even try to score. When we did throw it deep, it worked. Zero creativity on offense, just not even trying to score. We are getting railroaded in the fourth, and he is still throwing JG out there. When he does finally swap quarterbacks at the very end, he puts in Maurer. They all suck ass, the whole team, except for Palmer, Gray, and Hyatt. We forced a fumble at midfield, down 35-10. to 10. We ran it three times and punted. We punted, down 35-10. to 10. I think it was 35-10. to 10. Yeah, because we got, uh, we, we ran it on, we, we were down 28-10. to 10. We ran it on third down. That's the play that I believe Gray fumbled on, right? It was Gray that fumbled, and we gave up the pick six or the uh, the scoop six, and then yeah, we punted on you know thirty five to ten. Um, you know I don't disagree with anything you said there. So when you said we have three good players, Gray, Palmer, and Hyatt, you mean on offense or just the entire team? Because I don't know if there's any defenders I would say are any better. I was just like. Like, I mean, those text messages were in the heat of the moment when I was just full of disgust. Um, yeah. I mean, I, Henry played terrible on Saturday. I would still say he's a good player. Um, Can we just agree, though, that he hasn't progressed? I don't feel like he's gotten any better from last year. At least, at least in, like, pass coverage. Like, he hasn't gotten any better against pass coverage. He struggles in pass coverage, that's for sure. I, st- I think going to the ball, I think when he gets running downhill, he's better. Okay. Um, 
He's faster. I feel like he was pretty good at that last year, but maybe yeah, he, he was good at that, that last year. I think he, I think he's better that way. I mean, I think like what we saw from the at the beginning of the season from him, um, he looked better to me. Now teams have exploited his lackluster pass coverage skills, and I mean, some of that I will say I think is because I don't know that there really is another good player on defense. So when he looks bad. It just looks so much worse. There's nobody around him to help him. Maybe Jay, maybe Jalen McCullough. I think Jalen McCullough is all right. I feel like he's only good in run stopping, though. And he might only be good in run stopping. I don't know. Maybe the numbers. We'll check the Pro Football Focus grades and see what he. Oh, the, the Pro Football like Focus grades for the defense this past weekend are dog shit. Well, I just want to see like specifically like on on Tank and how he does in pass coverage because I feel like he is a really good run stopper, but outside of that, I'm not sure. I mean, I just want you to take a guess at. And I'm talking when I'm talking starters, okay? I'm talking people that played a lot of snaps. I want you to guess who our highest rated defender was. I mean, um, I mean, I guess my guess would be Bryce, although I don't know. I, I, just because that's what he, he was against Kentucky. Uh, Trayvon Flowers. Trayvon Flowers. He graded out at an 81.7. Hey, turn up, turn up Flowers. I thought Trayvon Flowers was awful. I don't know. Bryce Thompson was, of the starters, Bryce Thompson was second at 74.4. All right. So Bryce has had a pretty good year so far, at least like grading out-wise. Grading out-wise, I I still like, how does he not high point that ball and pick it off? No, and that was really frustrating. And like, you know, a couple of those things, can we be mad at Pruitt for that? Because on one hand, like he's coaching these guys, but like they did seem to be in the right position a couple of times. And just couldn't make a goddamn play. They couldn't make one goddamn play. And I wonder, is that the coach's fault for not teaching them how to make a goddamn play? Or is it on the players for not being able to make the goddamn play? Because they were there. Uh, Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, Mac Jones was playing in a 7-on-7 tournament last Saturday. He was. The defensive line did not improve. That being said, he made throws that our defense, that allowed our defense to make a play. Several of them, and every time it was right there. I mean, we put we called the right defense with Trayvon Flowers as the deep man, and instead of making a play on the ball, he makes a play on the man and lets him catch it. Like that was going to be an easy interception. That ball had to be intercepted. Bryce Thompson lets Mechie catch that ball. Bryce Thompson doesn't go up and high point and intercept it. Kenny George, like. He just can't catch an interception. He just can't do it. Was he the one that got hit in the goddamn leg? He was the one that dropped it at the end of the half, right? I don't know. There was a guy that also, I, I thought George was also the one that, like, uh, the, the pass got past the receiver and hit him in the leg because his reaction time was so bad. It might not have been George. Apologies to him if it wasn't. But we just, like, had a bunch of guys in the secondary not making plays. I feel like they were there. I feel like they were there. They were the there. Time. They were there. And maybe Mac Jones just didn't respect him at all. And it's like, hey, I'll throw in a double coverage because my receivers are going to come down with it because their defensive backs suck. Maybe that was the plan. I thought Taylor played well. I thought he played okay. I didn't think he was going to play. I barely even noticed Taylor, to be honest. Um, I will say my favorite part of this game, though, is the the referee crew in Birmingham, whoever's over it, I don't know. Where, I don't know who does re- I don't know who does review. A review confuses me in the SEC. I do. My favorite part of the game, unquestionably, is them checking the tape and adding one second back on the clock at the end of the first half. Like, of all the plays that needed to be reviewed, that one was not it. And we went back and we made sure that we added that one second. Like, we don't review the Auburn kickoff against Ole Miss where Ole Miss just gets screwed, but we make sure we review that one and, and, and put one second more on this clock. Like, neither side wanted to play that last second. Pruitt's just trying to get the game over with as fast as possible. Saban, sort of, kind of. Saban also runs a hurry up. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't understand anything about our offense. It was clear after the Kentucky game we didn't have an identity. We still don't have an identity. It was like Jim Cheney was just trying to stick it to his head coach for throwing him under the bus at the press conference last weekend. And Jim Chaney said to hell with it. I'm going to run it every single time I possibly can. Third and long, 
we're going to run the damn ball. After getting thrown under the bus by Pruitt the previous week. The one pass that, the one pass that, we, you have said this, I don't know how many times you've said this. The one pass that Garantano can make is the deep ball. I don't know if you saw, but he graded out as the most accurate deep ball passer today. According to like uh, one of those stat sites that put all that shit out. We've played five games. We've played five games. For the first four and a half of these games, the coaching staff has given him wide receivers that cannot get any separation on their man. I mean, no offense to Brandon Johnson and Ramel Keaton, but they cannot get off their man. It's been a one-man show. He's had a guy sitting on the bench this whole time who's faster than all of them, who was a highly touted recruit, who we were told about nonstop in fall practice. He's had him chilling. If we did throw it to him, like we did against Georgia, we were throwing it sideways to him behind the line of scrimmage. Finally, they unleash Jalen Hyatt. And guess what? He was the fastest guy on the field. Now, I would like to be explained why Jalen Hyatt has been sitting on the bench behind Ramel Keaton and Brandon Johnson. Our wide receivers are not good. They have not been good. They have been getting by because they have one guy who is an NFL wide receiver in Josh Palmer, and he can make great plays. But other than that, they're not good. And we've just had Hyatt chilling. We just had Hyatt chilling. Hey, but lo and behold... We finally unleash him, and he should have had two touchdowns. I don't know that he stepped out of bounds. No, and that was bullshit. You don't blow the whistle there. I know it's insane that, like, like Gene Steratori or whatever his name is, his explanation was bullshit. Oh, even if they even if they had decided that he hadn't stepped out of bounds, they couldn't give him a touchdown. Bro, there's nobody in front of him, and nobody on the field can catch up to him. He's scoring a touchdown. You let that go, you call it a touchdown, and then you review it if you have to to see if he stepped out of bounds. How hard is that? It happens like every week. Don't blow the play dead. Do we ever have an explanation of how... I I keep thinking back to 2011 Vanderbilt. Do you remember that? With Eric Gordon Gordon on the interception. Like, they originally blew him down. Yes. And then they they reviewed it. I was like, actually, he wasn't down. Pick six, game over. Yeah. Have we ever got an explanation for why like they called that a touchdown? No. How does review even work in college football? Is every play automatically reviewed by... It's supposed to be. Okay. So every play, that's what I thought. So do coaches even have a challenge to throw? Yes, they do. They do. They have to call a timeout. To, so they uh, have to call to a timeout and challenge it. And then they get the timeout back if they win the challenge. But theoretically, they shouldn't even need it because every play is reviewed. Correct. But sometimes they don't actually review it. And sometimes they don't actually review it. But we made sure we got that one second back. At the end of halftime, we don't even review Jalen Hyatt's play, and maybe that's just because they said, look, we called him out of bounds. There's no point in reviewing it. Well, that's why. They wouldn't have been able to. Plus, we ran hurry up, so they probably wouldn't even have time to do it anyways because we snapped the ball before they could even look at it. But again, I don't think they can overturn it and say, well, he would have scored a touchdown, which they should be able to. It's a breakaway. Like No one was catching him, but they never do that, except that one time randomly with Eric Gordon for some reason. That's what Danielson Daniels said. It's like, we're in the playoff. They're not going to review this and give him a touchdown in the college football playoff or the SC championship game, whatever his whatever his example was. It was a meaningful game, unlike Saturday. Um, it was the Ohio State Clemson game, right? Okay, is that, is that what he was? He was, you know, he was saying we're not going to review that and give them a touchdown if you know if this is in a bigger game. Which I mean, oh, Gary's no. right. I was thinking of last year whenever that guy had the interception pick six and they called it. An he might pass. have been. I thought he was talking about like a theoretical. Yeah, the I didn't future. hear what I actually didn't hear what the fuck he was saying. I thought you were talking about that. Never um, which I mean, it, Gary was actually right about that. Believe it or not, I mean, it is excruciating to listen to Gary Danielson. I know that this is adding nothing new to the conversation. I know that this is, if anything, adding toxicity because everyone's talked about how bad Danielson is for a decade or longer. I actually like what Gary Danielson typically has to say breaking down a game because he knows the game so well and he calls what's going to happen before it. But man, he was brutal Saturday. I mean. Garantano dropped that dime in like a 50-yard pass to, I guess, Palmer that was dropped or whatever. And their defensive back is all over. I mean, Danielson's laughing it off. And G-Man made a tweet about it. G-Man's like, Danielson's just sitting there laughing about the pass interference. Danielson's like, yeah, he's getting pretty handsy there. Ha, 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 ha. Like, bro, he was all over him. It was a touchdown. 
Like we these Garantano throws that are perfect, they're like striking oil in Texas. When when you strike it, it needs to hit. And when Garantano throws a deep ball or any pass that hits, okay, we need it to count. And when they're draped all over the wide receiver and nothing's called, it's a little bit frustrating. Now, granted, did it matter Saturday? No. I don't want to think it mattered. Like, we were getting, we were going to get killed regardless because our defense is ass. Our defensive line is terrible. Turns out Jerry Pruitt coaching them has not fixed them. They're, they're terrible. The, the secondary played terrible, I thought. Um, they were in the right position, couldn't make plays. Um, nobody expected them to go up against Jalen Waddell. And Devontae Smith, we ended up having not having to go up against Jalen Waddle. Nobody expected us to be able to win one-on-one matchups against Devontae Smith. That being said, when you're in a position to make the play, as has been the case all season with this secondary, you have to make the play. You have to catch the ball. Like Trayvon Flowers on the goal line against Georgia. Bryce Thompson against Alabama on Saturday. Like, you have to make the play, man. And they don't make it. I, I don't think, like, I have no idea about Quaveris Crouch. Like, people seem to think he's terrible. I have no idea. He's slow, man. If I'm Al Wilson, I'm like, hey, bro, you got you to gotta take off the neck roll. You got to get out of the number 27. Like, we, we got to get you out of there. You're not, you're not rocking this anymore. I mean, I think that when we play these teams like this, it shows up, like, how far, like, the recruiting, like, we just don't have the guys – on the defensive line, and Pruitt has to go get them, and it sucks because B.J. Ojolari had three sacks Saturday night against South Carolina. We tried to get him. It sucks, and like, now, this is totally separated from him coaching them up, which, like you've been talking about, it doesn't appear to be like they're, they haven't really progressed. I mean, you can have, you can turn bad players into good players. Well, who, who do you think, who do you think has progressed? I don't know. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with no, you. No, no, I, I know. I'm just asking, like, let's talk it out because, I mean, I feel like Elante Taylor was as good as he has been as a freshman. I feel like Bryce Thompson, you know, maybe he's improved a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Elante Taylor, I think, is just mercurial, right? Like, he's going to have games like BYU where he is absolute dog shit. What the fuck does that mean? And then he's going to have games like against South Carolina where he looks really good. Like, he's out of position. I still 100% believe that. And then, like, I mean, on offense, uh, who do we think's gotten better? Uh, is there anybody that we feel like has gotten better uh, over time? I mean, are we sure that Jalen Hyatt is going to not just be the same guy the entire time, which is yeah. good now? But I mean, like, yeah. I mean, are we sure is he going to turn into a, you know, well-rounded? Yeah, I mean, I think they're all fair questions. I think they're. I, I don't think the development has been there for anywhere. I mean, I, which is really which is really disheartening because we have to have it when you're not recruiting high. Exactly, enough. that's the thing. Like you can turn bad players or average players into something better like Nigel Warrior Nigel Warrior developed okay Nigel Warrior was one that we looked at and said okay he got a lot better yeah he got a lot better so like it can be done but it's not being done like I don't count Nigel Warrior he's not on this team he doesn't count anymore it doesn't matter like it's not being done currently it's not being done currently Sean Schamberger uh, by all he appears to be worse I don't know. I'm just looking, and I, you know, I expected more from from Henry T. I expected more from Crouch. Obviously, we know JJ Peterson never turned into anything. Um, no defensive linemen are standing out really. I mean, I, I know they're playing at their at their ability, or at least like you know they're playing as if they are a bunch of three stars because they are a bunch of three stars. But it just doesn't seem like anybody's really playing over their head these days. I mean. Maybe I'm wrong. I've just been really uh, worried about that because, like I said, if you're not going to recruit higher, that's going to uh, become a big issue. That's the thing. Like we've always talked about, we've always talked about, like, yeah, you can recruit all you want, but at the end of the day, you do have to develop them, and that's true too. You also have to go get the guys because B.J. Ojolari would help a lot. You know, you you, you can't lose out on guys like B.J. Ojolari. Jordan Davis, that top JUCO guy that was committed to us for forever, that flipped to Mississippi State. Like I know Mississippi State sucks, okay. But he's playing a lot for Mississippi State, and we could use him. You know, like, you, you have to get those guys. I mean, and he's this is Pruitt's third year. So he's had, he's had three signing classes, two of which have been his own. 
and we've gotten three middle linebackers. J.J. Peterson, Crouch, and Henry. One is a bust. One looks slow, might not have ever recovered from the knee injury, I don't know. Is not the player we thought he was, and you hit on one. Correct. Here's the thing. You have to recruit more than three, okay? Like, you're not going to hit on every one, because they're going to be wrong sometimes. Sometimes guys... And the injuries just, are going to happen, and just, like, you know, things are going to happen. And injuries are going to happen. But, like, why is our only other option at middle linebacker a three-star running back from Memphis? Yeah, it was disheartening to see Jerry Pruitt talk about trying to build depth, and I'm just like, bro, it's year three. And I get that there's like a you know there's a pandemic like I it does seem a little foolish sometimes to be so mad about the season because there is a pandemic and like this whole thing was thrown off and like we didn't get con you know we didn't get to practice the way we should be able to get to practice. But at the same time, like you said, like how are we not in a better position to where we at least have some linebackers? I mean, this this defensive staff has put a lot of people in the NFL. That's that that's what I was gonna say just a second ago when we were talking. They're about supposed the to be so good at recruiting. Like where are where are they? Well, forget forget about recruiting for a second. Let's just talk about the secondary. We talked about Nigel Warrior. Nigel Warrior doesn't count anymore. What's frustrating is that the guys we have coaching the secondary, Derek Ansley and Jeremy Pruitt, have as good a pedigree as you could hope for, as you could ask for, as you could ever want when it comes to coaching the secondary. We have two secondary whizzes. We have two badass recruiters over the secondary. And we suck. We have a guy in Trayvon Flowers, no offense, he was going to play college baseball until at the very end, Tennessee and Clemson offered him to play football. And he went to Tennessee for some reason. And, like, no offense to Kenny George, okay? But, like, Juco cornerbacks, that's, like, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, they're not playing Juco guys at cornerback. And I know Kenny was, a, he had three to play, he had, he could play three years in Division One, so it's not your typical JUCO. But, again, where in the hell is Warren Burrell? Where is Keyshawn Lawrence? I don't know if you saw today, Keyshawn Lawrence, they said they're starting to, uh, they're going to get him some reps at the star position. Okay, good. Because so basically he is going to take Schamberger's Because Schamberger ain't and, cutting it. And, I, you know, that, that got me pretty excited because he's your highest rated recruit from this class and you desperately need secondary help. So I'm fine with him learning baptism by fire method. Like, just put him in there. Let's see what he's got. Let's let him play the rest of the year. So, I am too. Here's my thing. We started Danico Slaughter at star game one. We've played five games. Now, they thought a lot about his ability, his raw talent to put him there game one. He could have played five games by now. Think about how much better he would be. Jeremy Pruitt, his first two years, had zero, 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 zero issue playing freshman. But all of the sudden, year three, he will not play them unless they earn it in practice. Bro, every time Javante Spragans goes in the game at guard, we score a damn touchdown. Or at least he hit somebody. We scored one touchdown against Kentucky. It was the drive that Spragans was in there. We did not go back to that same lineup the rest of the game. They put Spragans in there for Trey Smith on Saturday. On third down, we run it behind Spragans. For like 10 yards. So they trust him because they're running behind him. When he plays, we score. Now, he can't play left guard, obviously. But Carvin ain't been healthy. And Darnell Wright hadn't been cutting it. Now, Darnell Wright played his best game this year, it feels like, on Saturday. I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well Saturday. Um, But like... You know, it's like, why is Hyatt just now playing in the second half of Alabama? Like, we want, we have an offensive coordinator who wants to take the top off. Then put in a damn wide receiver that can take the top off. Which especially, like, I mean, like, go back to the Georgia game. You see how fast Hyatt is. Like, he's a galloper. He is someone who needs to be running down the field. And against Georgia, I go back to, we had a crucial possession, and we tried a jet sweep and a screen pass where he's not even running when he catches the ball. Yeah. And we're like, we're trying to get his long strides off and running against a really fast defense. And guess what? Shit didn't work. He needs to get he, going for a little while before, like, inertia takes over and he just starts, like, going 100 miles an hour. It's not like he can just get up and go. Like, get him, let him run 10 yards, and then he's going to run by the guy, it feels like. I mean, 
So he's running past Alabama secondary, who I know their defense isn't as good, but there's still going to be NFL guys all throughout that secondary. I, this is a P- Patrick Sertan. Yeah, they still have people like Patrick Sertan the second. I mean, they're full of like really, really fast guys. You go back to talking about the freshmen and them having to earn. Yeah, that's such bullshit, man. That is such bullshit. The game is over against Alabama. I want to know why in the fourth quarter against Alabama, our defense was not Omari Thomas, Morvin Joseph, Roman Harrison. The last two weeks, when Roman Harrison has gone in the game, he's made plays. Why are those three not on the defensive line? Why is Lawrence and Slaughter not on the back end? Why is Warren Burrell not on the back end of the defense? It does not matter how bad you lose. You're already getting killed. Well, I was just going to say, like, that's the type of shit you do in the first year of a program. Uh, yeah, like, I the, agree. The stuff but with like, the fr- well, no, no, I'm saying the stuff with the freshmen where you're like, hey, you got to earn your reps. That's the shit you do in the first year of a program where you're trying to establish culture. It seems like Jerry Pruitt's still trying to establish some type of culture in year three. Like, bro, you should already have that ready to go. Like, freshmen should already be wanting to practice hard. Like, I it shouldn't have, have to be no said. Just, just Right. Like, you think you have to tell Alabama's freshmen to practice hard? They have to tell Ohio State's freshmen to practice hard. Like, they know what to do. Like, I have zero issue whatsoever with the head man coming out and say, look, it's how you practice that earns your playing time. Okay, to me, to me, that means, okay, being in the two deep, being a starter, that's predicated on practice. In the fourth quarter of a blowout game, throw who the hell ever, whoever the hell you got, Throw them out there. Theo Jackson and Sean Schamberger are graduating. So they're gone next year. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. And, you know, Keyshawn Lawrence, very soon, very soon, we got five games left in this season. So six games from now, Keyshawn Lawrence and Danico Slaughter are going to be asked to play a lot. Yeah, the slaughter point was pretty good. Like, I mean, imagine how many more reps he should have. How many more reps? Like, and I don't, like, the thing is, like, starting slaughter at Missouri, it's not going to lose you the Missouri game. Hell, it ain't going to lose you the Georgia game because Schamberger screwed up too and let them throw that long deep ball and Garantano lost his mind. Like, and it it wasn't going to lose you the Kentucky game and it wasn't going to lose you Saturday. And he could have had one half season of game reps. Think about how much better he would be. In a season where eligibility doesn't even matter. Where a season where eligibility does not even matter. I'm like, I thought Jim Chaney, I know I'm ram. I know I'm talking a lot and I apologize. I thought Jim Chaney was terrible on Saturday. I find it absolutely unbelievable that they didn't put a quarterback in until there was four minutes left in the fourth quarter. And when they did, they put the guy that was running scout team on Thursday in at quarterback. They did not put Harrison Bailey in. Well, I've said it a million times already on the radio, but we'll say it here again for this different audience. But, like, it's just funny to me that, like, Alabama, during a blowout, puts in a young quarterback and immediately gets some quality reps. They did the same shit to us in 2017 with Tua. They put their, they put their young quarterback in, and they're like, here you go. Go actually run the offense. We put our backup quarterback in, and we're like, here, run the ball, let's run the clock out, let's get out of here. Waste a, you know, basically a six-minute drive, a situation where you can get some valuable reps for your young guy. Losing team, losing program, Tennessee, doesn't do it. Winning program, Alabama, does it. And then they get ready, and the quarterback comes in, and he'll be good when he's called upon. It's like, I have no idea if Harrison Bailey is going to be any good. We don't know. Anybody that has an opinion on him as of right now is not really based in reality because he's thrown four passes. But they obviously don't trust Shrout one bit, and they don't trust Maurer. And we have a true freshman quarterback. Getting him snaps in a real game, they're like, every snap is, you can compare it to a blood diamond. It is immeasurably worth, you know, I mean, like, its worth is immeasurable. You had so much opportunity to get him snaps. He wasn't even going up against Alabama's first-team defense. Saban had called off the dogs. He wasn't going to embarrass his buddy. 
So Bailey's not going to get killed. He did embarrass his buddy, though. He didn't call off the dogs. I didn't think, at least on offense, like maybe on defense they were doing something different. But uh, They could have scored 70. They could have scored 75 points. I know, but they, with their backup quarterback, I thought they ran their offense, which I'm giving them credit for. They ran their offense and, you know, got down to the five-yard line and had a chance to score a touchdown. They ended up not scoring the touchdown, but they had a chance. Yeah, I mean, but like, what was the score at halftime? 28 to 10, 21 to 10? 28, uh, 21 to 10. Okay. Is that right? No, 28 to 10, 28 to 10. They could have scored five or six more touchdowns in the second half. Easily. They, 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 like, yeah, they ran their plays with Bryce Young or whatever, but, like, they called off the dogs. It could have been much worse. I mean, if Saban hated Jeremy Pruitt, he could have scored, like, 75 points. He just almost never does that. And I was giving him a compliment because I feel like he just kept throwing the ball. And, you know, like I said, he wasn't running tempo and trying to score as quickly as possible, but I thought they were running good plays. They were throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, I mean, like, they called their plays or whatever with their backup quarterback who's going to be really good or whatever, but, like, they could have scored 75 points. I mean, like... It was a perfect opportunity for Harrison Bailey. It's a lot better than Sunday night scrimmages, which we didn't have one this past Sunday night. Do we have one on Monday, maybe? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't I know. I read anything about say, it. I saw Pruitt say today that he gave, uh, I think, Monday off. And then maybe Tuesday had another one of those young practices where he said Maurer and Bailey got all the reps at quarterback. I, I mean... Are they really going to, like, try with Maurer again? I mean. Seriously, what's the point? Like, what what is the point, man? It, like, if he takes a hit, he gets a concussion. And that's even if, like, he doesn't make the wrong read and throw an interception. And, like, the kid has been through a lot. I mean, just, I just don't understand why you don't get Harrison Bailey reps there. It is inexcusable. It is unjustifiable. You had a whole quarter to put Harrison Bailey back there with Malachi Wideman, Jalen Hyatt, Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Callaway. But no, we're still rolling JG out there with Cedric Tillman. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, that was, like, that, this is why I'm disgusted. Like, Alabama is a million times better than us. We were going to lose, blah, blah, blah. That isn't the point. Like, Cheney was terrible, man. You cannot be down 28 to 10 at midfield off a fumble. Like, dude, we're not going to win the game. Try to score a touchdown, though. Especially because I feel like JG threw the ball pretty well. That's the thing. We haven't said anything about Garantano in this game other than positive things. He played well for him. And if he plays that well against Arkansas, Tennessee should beat Arkansas. Yep. If If Garantano plays Saturday... Plays this plays against Arkansas like he did Saturday. Tennessee should win. Okay, Tennessee should win easily. I do not give a shit that Arkansas has won two more games than they were supposed to. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that Barry Odom has done an amazing job. Tennessee should win easily. There is no excuse. All right, let's get to some patron questions. No new patrons this week. Hate to see it. That's what happens when you have a losing team, though. We're still working. We're still working just as hard, but I guess a losing team makes people not want to sign up to be patrons, but no big deal. Patreon.com slash Reads Ranch if you want access to the Discord, which it's kind of an ugly place right now on game days. Tensions are high on the Discord on game days. Let's get to some questions, though. Uh, AJ wants to know, how are we? Seth, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you for asking, Brother AJ. I've been better, been worse. Just another day. Try not to kill myself, AJ. Thanks for asking. Uh, let's see. Uh, T-Full wants to know, Vol Basketball MVP. Who do you think will be the MVP of the basketball team this year? Uh, Keon Johnson. Explain. You think he'll be the best player? He's going to be the best player. I'm sure that, like, Fulgerson will get it, but I think Keon Johnson will be the best player. I mean, if we're going to accomplish something big, he has to be our best player, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think we can be elite with John Fulgerson as our best player, and that's no disrespect to Fulgerson. Although, I don't know, Fulgerson was pretty good last year. Now, granted, we didn't go anywhere because he was our best player. But the rest of the people around him should be a lot better, so maybe we can still accomplish our goals with him being our best player, but I don't think we're getting to... 
an Elite Eight with him as our best player. I don't think we're winning the SEC with him as our best player. Okay, so, sorry. I almost mentioned this earlier, and I just now saw this. It's, I was about to say that it feels like Bryce Thompson is playing injured. He is playing with a torn pectoral muscle. Yeah, which is crazy to me. So no wonder he hasn't been as good. I've just been like, man, he looks like a, like he just looks off. He has all year. Which is really impressive. That like, I want to know when he heard it because like to, if he was able to strip that Kentucky receiver with a torn pec, it's really impressive. You know, because he was yep. able to get that ball out. Yeah. So sorry. No, it's fine. I was just saying. I think that you know, if John Fulkerson's our, our MVP, then we're not going to accomplish our goals this year. No disrespect to him. I just think we. I just think we have to have better players. Yeah, I, all SEC John Fulkerson. No disrespect. Keon Johnson is just a lottery pick. So, I'm banking on him being that guy. I would say, in terms of importance, I would also put Pons above Fulkerson, probably, just because we're going to need some rim protection. Yeah. You excited for basketball? I am. What the I hell am. are they going to do with this non-conference schedule? Like, we still don't know. I, I mean, look. I just don't understand. Like, what was Orlando trying to do with these stupid-ass rules? They were basically trying to follow the CDC rules. And the college basketball is like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to do these rules. And Orlando and ESPN were like, okay, well, we're not doing that because we don't necessarily need this money as much. We don't want to, like, sac- like have – we don't want to have anybody getting sick or dead on our hands during a pandemic after we have done so well with the NBA. We're not going to risk it for this college game, and that's essentially what happened is from everything I've gathered. Yeah, I mean, like, why are you going to make these, these, these players stay back in Orlando, like, by themselves for two weeks while the rest of the team goes back? And then the, the rest of the team has to quarantine on their campus for two weeks with each other. It was just dumb. What I read the issue was was just that, that – they wanted to test people, like everyone, right? And the college basketball teams and programs didn't want to test players that had tested positive. Within the last 60 days or Within whatever. the last 90 days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still don't understand, like, a lot of all the stuff that's going on with college athletics confused me because, like, Nick Saban was allowed to take you know, they let him coach after he took test after test that proved he was negative, and they flew the jet down to Mobile from Tuscaloosa on game day to get the test back from the lab so he could coach that Saturday night, which is fine. He's not sick. He should be able to work. That's not the issue. My issue is why are are players having to quarantine for two weeks when they don't have it? Tennessee's like whole damn team didn't get to do fall camp, and they didn't even have the they didn't even have the virus. Why couldn't we let them practice when they don't have it? If they were testing negative over and over and over again, we've had games postponed. Not because like Vanderbilt, it wasn't like their whole team had it. Some guys had it, but everyone was in contact tracing protocol. So why couldn't we do for them what we did for Saban? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to do a conference only schedule in basketball. No, me neither. I mean, I'll, I'll 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 deal with it if we do it, but I would rather play other teams. It's the opposite for, of football for me. Like, I do not want to do conference only in basketball. Like football, I'd be fine never playing another non-conference game unless it's Notre Dame. Um, but like for basketball, I want to play Gonzaga. I want to play Wisconsin. We were going to get several good games in Orlando, Houston, VCU, FSU. So it sucks. Um, like. I want to be able to play on the road or on a neutral court in basketball, and I guess we're not going to be able to. So is Orlando completely off now? I think Orlando's off, but I saw, I guess it was Aaron Torres, which I don't know how reputable he is. I saw him saying that it's not going to kill the non-conference schedule. It's basically going to make other venues step up and get these like big mega tournaments and mega, pre, uh, mega non-conference opponents all together. Maybe we'll get okay. better games. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, that, how truth that, truthful that is or whatever, but that's what he said. He just said it won't be in Orlando. It'll be somewhere else. Like, last Friday, uh, Rob Lewis had said, um, this is what Rob Lewis had to say about the Gonzaga game. Regardless of whether the Orlando scenario takes place or not, Tennessee and Gonzaga will play one another on someone's campus as both programs have been in contact about the matchup and are set on it taking place. 
they were going to play Gonzaga in Orlando along with VCU, Florida State, potentially Houston. So they're going to play Gonzaga regardless. I mean, I would like to play Wisconsin. I would love to play Wisconsin and Gonzaga. Like if we could get those two games in, then that would be good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it just seems like... How is... It's almost November and we don't have a basketball schedule. Seems crazy. They've had... How many months? We're almost into the eighth month of this, right? We might be into the last week of it. Since the election is Tuesday, am I right? Whew. Yeah, I guess we have a bye yeah. week next week, so maybe our uh, podcast next week will just be election only, like we did uh, six, four years ago. Okay, that's fun. I'm ready for it to be over, man. I'm tired of getting on Spotify and seeing a uh, here's how you vote flag on the top, man. I don't vote because I'm not gay. So, Spotify, can you please cease and desist? Well, the good news is the voting will be over on Tuesday. But uh, actually, no, we'll just turn into voting two years from now. Hey guys, you can't just vet, bet, uh, vote in the federal elections. You got to vote every year, and you're locally. The voting uh, campaign will never end. Yeah, are we gonna have like this psyop every four years now, or, is, or like you said, every, every year. just continually, every year. continually? Are we gonna be like just bombarded with vote locally? That matters more than the presidential election. Vote. This vote, might vote. be this this might be the best thing for like the monarchy that's ever happened. Like, people are going to get so fed up with this shit, they might just say, screw it, give me a king. Because I'm tired of it, man. I don't care to vote a week from now. I don't care to vote two years from now, 20 years from now, four years from now. I don't care to vote, period. I just want to get on Spotify, and I want to listen to the new Sturgill Simpson Bluegrass album. That was pretty good, That's huh? all I want to do. It's it's It kicks ass. What's your favorite song? Just Let Go. All Around You is probably second. A Little Light is good. All the Colors is really good, too. Those are my top four. I Don't Mind and I Wonder makes me very sad. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to kill myself. Don't uh, be sad, buddy. We got, we got a lot to be happy for. Like what? The, our patrons. Yeah, love them. Even this, though this year, even is, though we got no new patrons, and even though like half our patrons fight every Saturday. Yeah, um, it's almost Thanksgiving, which means it's almost Christmas. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm a little uh, not to bring the mood down. I'm not looking forward to the holidays this year. Yeah, at least it's 2020 is almost over. Everyone keeps saying that, but 2021 might be. But 2021 is probably gonna suck ass too. I mean, Falsies out here talking about we need to wear masks till 2022. Eat shit, Doc. 2021 is gonna be even worse. I didn't mean to bring the whole mood down of the podcast, but yeah. It's okay. I love you. I love and you. I, I, I love you, even though you don't text I'm me anymore. I'm always here for you. I'm always here for you. Even you, don't you don't text me even either. If you don't text, in and check in on, text me and check in on me, I appreciate you. Yeah, that one's on the bus now. Austin wants to know, do we got some damn fighters in this room? You know, that quote was cool. What quote? Whenever there's that clip of uh, Pruitt yelling about whether or not we have fighters in the room. Oh. Before it was after like some game, it might have been after the South Carolina game, but now it seems like an actual like question he is asking the team. Yeah, it wasn't rhetorical. It seems like he was genuinely curious. Are there any fighters in that room? And I don't know if we have any. Okay, so I it, I cringe at this talk when college coaches are like, "We need a leader to step up, bro." You are paid millions of dollars to lead this football team. Make some leaders. I'll always say, though, that it has to come from players, too, though. It does. Like, your coaches can be great at leaders and motivational speaking and all that, but, like, eventually you'll have to have your peers hold you accountable. I agree. If there are no leaders in that locker room, Jeremy, guess what, buddy? You recruited them. Yeah, recruit a leader. Like, can you not— Recruit some dogs. Like, I mean, I don't know what the recruiting process is like. I don't know how much you actually like get to fight for these players. Like if you, how much you actually like talk to people in the locker room or talk to their coaches or whatever, but like, I would imagine like leadership should come up somewhere like on, on, on film or something. You should see people taking charge and being in control like alphas. I'd imagine that should stand out at some point during the recruiting process. So if you don't have any leaders, it's because you haven't recruited any. So again, it was cool to see that question. Do we got some damn fighters in this room? But now I feel like it's an actual like question. Do we have any fighters in the room? The law dog wants to know, 
Which assistant football coaches need to get axed, and should we do it now or at the end of the year? Who's on the chopping block? Uh, Moose needs to go back to tight ends. They need to hire a real linebackers coach. We will obviously hire a defensive line coach. They need to get Chris Winkie out of here. Out. Get him out. 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 Will Friend, go ahead and get him out too. Out. 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 And maybe Big Germ should hire an offensive coordinator that he is on the same page with. That's what worries me. Like, Jeremy, we talked about it when Helton left. You don't get many chances to redo a hire. You messed up with Tyson Helton. And you had another chance to make it right. And you actually were able to hire an offensive coordinator going into a year when you weren't on the chopping block, on the hot seat. A lot of times, you know, offensive co- coordinators get the axe, the, and the new coach, he's, you know, this is it for him. Like, he's got his new coordinator. Like, he better produce now. Like, it wasn't even like that with Pruitt. Pruitt was still basically a bank, blank slate. Like, he was he was good to go. And he hired Chaney. Chaney is, Chaney's career speaks for itself. I'm not going to sit here and say Chaney's not any good. What I will say, and this is no fault of Jim Chaney, that it does appear that he and the head coach are not on the same page when it comes to offensive philosophy. Now, I don't know if Jeremy Pruitt has an offensive philosophy. I know that Jim Chaney's offensive philosophy is basketball on grass. Well, buddy, you don't have Drew Brees. You don't have Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Jake Fromm. But you got to work with what you have. That's why we paid you over a million dollars a year to call plays. They're not paying you for your recruiting. They're playing you specifically for what you do on Saturday afternoons with that huge-ass play sheet you got. And we are running hurry up like we're Chip Kelly at Oregon to run off tackles with a gassed defense. That could not stop anything. The defense needed all the help it could get Saturday, and we're out here running a hurry up and going three and out. We are running hurry up to snap it with 25 seconds left on the clock and go off tackle. I'm concerned about Jeremy Pruitt's offense. I mean, I we've always said his wet dream is like that Alabama team in 2010 or whenever it was that just ran the ball the entire time and had defenses hold teams under 10 points. 2011, I guess it was. like I'm worried that Jerry Pruitt's never going to want a good offense. So here is something that is interesting to me. The master, Nick Saban, he adapted. He adapted and he went, he flipped the script and said, okay, we're going to have the best damn offense in the world. But none of his protégés have. Muschamp Hatton, Kirby Hatton, Pruitt Hatton, Jimbo Fisher, he Hatton. He's still running Kellen Mond. Like none of his guys have had the wherewithal to adapt. Like, Lane Kiffin has. Lane Kiffin went out and hired Jeff Lebo, Lebo to be his offense coordinator. Lebby, Jeff Lebby, Jeff Lebo's basketball coach. Lebby to be his offense coordinator. Like, there's been no like there's there's no creativity on offense like you have to adapt man like what Alabama did in 2011 people don't play like that anymore no team that wins big plays like that that is that's not how it is anymore it's just like nobody runs a triple option like even though Nebraska beat everyone with it in the 90s. And that's Nobody what I, runs it anymore. That's what I'm worried about. You said find an offensive coordinator that fits him. Like, I don't think that's ever going to work out. I want him to get find an offensive coordinator and just get the fuck out of the way. See, that's what he should do. And it's obvious that he, to me, and I might be wrong, it's obvious he ha- he does not have that with Cheney. He has to go hire somebody. Like, I guarantee you, Sam Pittman hired Kendall Browse and said, Kendall, I took less money to be the head coach at Arkansas so I could go get who the hell I wanted as my coordinators. And I've got them. You go do whatever the hell you need to do. And Jerry Pruitt interviewed Kendall Bras. It's like, nah, this guy's a dumbass. I want to fight him. And 
That's what Pruitt has to go do. That's I mean that's what. Well, now we're at the posi- well, now we're at the point, and what also worries me, Seth, is that like next time he makes a coordinator hire, it's like you said, you're going to be on the the hot seat, and yeah, exactly. Now you don't have that anymore, and I still, I still, I, I still believe that. I, well, first of all, I don't think that they can get rid of Cheney. Cheney's not going to leave because he's not going to walk away from that much money, and in the year of a pandemic where you have people, ta- we have the head coach taking a pay cut, and you just had to sit on like one point almost one point five million dollars for a defensive line coach that you screwed up. Like they're not gonna pay that buyout to Jim Cheney. I don't think. But if they were, if they were able to, I still feel like he would just go promote the dude that's the offensive analyst that came from Notre Dame. Which that guy used to be a highly thought of name. He was a highly thought of name. He wasn't terrible at Notre Dame. They just did not get along. Yeah. They just did not get along, which I know is very odd that, like... Somebody couldn't get along with Brian Kelly. And that, like, you would see a guy just walk away from, like, being the offensive coordinator at that job. But I guess the dude's like, look, I'm 37 years old. I got I got it all in front of me. I'm not going to stay here and be miserable. But he wasn't that bad. Jonah Chip wants Long, to know, assuming Pruitt can't be fired, what kind of overhaul would you want to see in the offseason if we go 3-7? and seven? First of all, I don't think we're going 3-7. and seven. I think we're still going to be fine. I think we're still going to find a way to win six games. Maybe that that might be really stupid, but I'm not scared of Arkansas. I'm not scared of AM. I'm not scared of Auburn still. Like I, I know that we haven't looked good, but I'm not going to I'm not going to throw up. I'm not going to throw out the season. It might be five and five. Like I don't think we're going three and seven, I guess is what I'm saying. I think we'll find a way to win a couple more games. I agree with you. But what type of overhaul would you want to see? I mean, at three and seven, you would just have to reconsider everything at this point. That you would have to you'd have to scrap everything. That would be awful. I don't want to think about that just yet. Let's uh, put that one on the back burner. I still think, Jonah, I still think regardless of anything, they have to go find a graduate transfer quarterback. Yeah. Like you, you have to. There is like you cannot go another offseason without, especially when it's going to be the wild, wild west. It's going to be open season on guys. Anybody, anybody that is somewhere else, it is open season now. I'm terrified of all of our younger players for that reason. Yeah. Like, the players are going to have more power than ever before coming out of this pandemic. Yeah. And, like, it's going to be a one-time, you know, transfer for free rule. And uh, if I'm Jalen Hyatt, I'm looking around saying, man, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to Alabama. Now, maybe, like, the conference rules will still be in place where you can't transfer inside the conference. But, like, I'm going to Ohio State. Like, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an absolute free-for-fall, and all the top talent on these teams that aren't good can get poached. Yeah, Rich will just get richer. I mean, like, anybody, it's open season. Like, I don't know. I mean, say this freshman at Wisconsin that just tore it up. He was the second string going into this year. Yeah. Maybe Jack Cohn comes back whenever and gets his job back. Like, I am, I am driving to Madison, Wisconsin. In my platinum F-250, buying lottery scratch-off tickets. If I'm Jeremy Pruitt and I'm getting Graham Mertz or whatever and bringing him to Knoxville. If TJ Finley for LSU continues to go off, but Miles Brennan comes back and now TJ Finley's not starting. He looked a whole lot better than anything we got Saturday night. I mean, anybody, anybody, it is open season. You have to go get somebody. It does not matter about any recruit, what they think, like you have to. Isn't it insane that through five games, like, neither Jamie Newman nor JT Daniels have taken a snap for Georgia. I know Newman's not on the team, but, like, imagine what the, the odds of that were, like, in August. Neither one of them taking a snap five games in the season. Mason Taylor, dumbass, asked, who do you want on the floor for the basketball balls during close games in the last five minutes? I mean, I think that's hard to answer right now because, like, I know Victor Bailey can shoot the three, and I usually want that on the floor. But Vescovi says he's improved. So, like, I'm really interested to see the difference between Vescovi and Bailey. Maybe both those guys are on the court late. Maybe you need him, both of them, and Keon Johnson. They're talking Bailey. I mean, they're talking Vescovi up big time. Oh, yeah. No, Vescovi was like, you know, you even had uh, John Feinstein or whatever. Talk, not John Feinstein. What's the, the what's our guy's name? Rothstein. 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 Yeah, John Rothstein talking about Vescovi today, like saying he's the best kept secret. So, if he is as improved as they're acting, then he's going to be out there. If Keon Johnson is as good as we're acting, like he's going to be out there. I want Fulkerson Ponds, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, and Santiago Vescovi. Man. I don't know. 
I want to see what these guys look like. I, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm curious about a lot of them. Like, what, we think Springer should be out there? Yeah, yeah. I want, to, I want my two most talented players out there. I always get that mixed up. Who's the better one between Springer and Johnson? Johnson. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. But Jane Springer was also a five-star. No, I know, I know, I know. But, like, Keon's the one that everyone's, like, raving over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sounds like he's, like, a true dog. I usually like guys like Josiah being out on the court, though, who can do everything, who can play defense and rebound and create. Interesting. Interesting, buddy. Because, um, based off the one-year Not Jalen Johnson, size, uh, Josiah James. Josiah James. Yeah, I, used to, I, I know you meant Josiah. Based off the one-year sample size, I do, I do not want Josiah James out there right now. But I, I think I, this might be this might be wrong. And I did just say Jalen Johnson, so keep that in mind. I, I could be an idiot right now. But I think Josiah is going to be so good with good players around him now. Like I, I think he is someone who is going to thrive not having to be the go-to guy on offense. I hope so. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just going to be useless. Maybe he's going to be off the bench guy. But like I like his size. I like his versatility. And I'm hoping that him being a fourth option or a fifth option – just completely unlocks him. Now, maybe Johnson and Springer are just so good together that it doesn't matter. And maybe Vescovi will be out there. Although, like with Vescovi, he's going to have to really improve before I want him out there in the final five. If we have Johnson and Springer both out there, who can create? Because Vescovi wasn't very good on defense last year. Yeah. And like if we have the scoring out there and the creating you know, out there with uh, Johnson and Springer, do we need Vescovi out there doing anything? Now, if he's just like completely translucent in terms of translucent, transcendent in terms of uh, his offense, then sure. But like, I, I think we're already going to have that if Johnson and Springer are as good as we're acting. So I think we need some size and some versatility out on the uh, the the perimeter on defense. So right now, I'd actually go maybe just uh, Keon Springer, Josiah Pons, and Folky. Do we want Pons and Folky both out there? I would say so. Pons, uh, we'll, we'll see because Pons says he's working on his three-point shooting. I just worry about that. Like if you have both of them out there that you're not going to have enough spacing. Uh, I don't know. The good news is we trust Rick Barnes to be able to handle all these lineups, you know? <clears throat> well, the good news is we know that Rick is going to put out every possible lineup that could be put out there up until about the beginning of April. The problem is I don't know if I trust him to play them at the right time. So about the time the Sweet 16 starts, he'll have the he'll have the rotation set. So rest assured, we'll have the rotation set by Sweet 16 game. But at which point we'll we'll bench our best player because he has four fouls. And then we'll put him on the bench. Then we'll put him on the bench to start overtime. Uh, Marwan wants to know who do you think is going to win the Champions League match between Borussia Dortmund and Zenit St. Petersburg? Um, the German team. It's zero zero at half right now. Uh, BMV wants to know how are Butch and Pruitt different. Well, one has a flat top. One has no hair. One just lost to Kentucky at home. The other one did not. One had a really talented roster that he underachieved with, and I can't say the same about the other just yet. Yeah. Blue Moon Ball, listen. You know that I love you, and I stand up for you in the Discord. But the horse is dead. You have beaten it to death. If it was a cat and had nine lives, all nine lives would be expired. We get it. You do not like Jeremy Pruitt. We get it. We understand. We know. It, it is what it is. We know that you do not like Jeremy Pruitt. We know, buddy. Nobody, nobody is up here caping for 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 big germ okay like nobody's up here like standing up for him and defending his honor and we know that if we were to do so you would be there to punch us in our throat but we're not doing that or we know you think jeremy pruitt sucks yeah i guess bmv likes the headbutt more so are we worried that pruitt is worse than butch jones or the same as butch jones like are we at that point i guess I mean, I haven't given much thought to like that direct comparison. I've seen a lot of people do it. Um, like I, I might be in the minority here. I never think about Butch Jones. A lot of people still do, and you see the stats come out of how many like double digit losses they've had and all that. Not looking good for Pruitt, by the way. No, it's not. 
I don't think anybody up here is like no me, me and you especially are the only two people I can speak for. We're not up here defending Jeremy Pruitt. We've been very critical of him on this podcast. I would also look at those stats and be like, hey guys, uh, you know, Florida and Georgia a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Florida has Dan Mullen now. Last couple of years, and they were in uh, the first two years of Bush Jones. Yeah, they don't have Jim McElwain anymore. They have they have Dan Mullen, who I really wish Jerry Jones had hired Dan Mullen. Hey, it's still possible it could happen this year. It could happen this year. How bad is McCarthy? He is awful. McCarthy's not going to make it through the year, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, Dak, maybe uh, if Dak goes somewhere else, they'll also hire Dan Mullen. So, like, it's possible that a couple teams could hire Dan Mullen. Yeah, so if any NFL owners are listening – or if any NFL general managers are listening, whoever the hell hires coaches for NFL teams, I guess it's the owners. Hire Dan Mullen, please. I'd say it's a collaborative effort, but I agree. Hire yeah, Dan Mullen. Uh, hire Dan Mullen. Which brings us to our last conver- last question. Uh, maybe not the Dan Mullen part, but the, the question right before it. Bob wants to know, is it time to have a conversation about our fan base? Is it a help or a hindrance to bring the program back? Would it better serve the program to not have an army of guys online screaming their heads off about, quote, year three? So, like, what are they saying? Like, it's year three, we should be better? I would say it's both. I would say it's both people yelling. I mean, because, like, the argument is just year three. Some people say that's when you have to make a jump. Some people say well, it's only year three. It's a pandemic. Look what look what he was left with, blah, blah, blah. The, the elite minds of the Reed's Ranch podcast, a.k.a. Seth Hughes and John Reed, have said for years now, year two is when you see the huge jump, typically. Now, the, the fan base is not a hindrance to to this particular thing. I, the fan base is a help overall because when you host recruits on official visits in a normal year, they come to a packed-out 100,000-plus stadium that is absolutely raucous and insane. And that helps. It also helps when you look at the potential for the likeness marketing opportunities that uh, people will get. It helps to have a big fan base, okay? Like it, it, it. You can have a huge fan base and still suck ass. Look at Nebraska. Look at us. Look at Tennessee. <laughs> okay, but it's like I don't think it. I mean, like now I am blown away by these people that will sit here and argue about it on on the internet or whatever, like. I mean, Pruitt sucked this year. Like, what is there to argue about? Like, I don't give a shit if it's a pandemic or not. Everybody's played on the same rules we did. I mean, even if our team... Like, it's well... Pruitt's made sure we are under the that we understand that a large portion of the team had to sit out due to contact tracing. We know, dude. We know. You keep bringing it up, it doesn't matter. We know. We still remember. You've had five games. Okay? They've had plenty of time now. Like... The only one that like really gets a pass with that is Harrison Bailey because he has literally never practiced. And now it's getting to the point where you have to put him in the game even though he didn't have a spring camp or a fall camp. But the rest of the team, like, dude, they've been able to play even if they weren't able to practice that much. Like, like I, who's, but like, who's arguing? Like, Pruitt sucks. Like, I mean, he sucks. Well, okay? I, I, like, I guess the question Bob is asking is do we need people online talking about how much he sucks? Because we are so online and we do have, I guess the question would be like, there are players and recruits that I guess could see that. I mean, you did see Terrence Lewis being like, damn, Tennessee fans are toxic as hell. You had the uh, Quincy Avery guy talking about how terrible Tennessee fans are while responding to a Notre Dame fan. You don't know who Quincy Avery is? He was like, uh, he's like the quarterback coach. He was Dobbs quarterback coach. Oh, that guy, that guy. Who gives a shit, man? Who cares? Like, if we, who cares, man? Who cares? Like, this dude isn't keeping us. This dude's not gatekeeping us from getting Ty Simpson. What's gatekeeping us from getting Ty Simpson at the moment is our shitty-ass team. He didn't gatekeep us from getting Kadon Salter or Harrison Bailey. Like, Terrence Lewis is awesome. I hope he's in orange. But we all know that if Miami offers, he's going to Miami. So, like... Has Miami, Miami still hasn't offered him? They still haven't offered him, no. What are they waiting it on? It sounded like they were about to like a month ago, but I guess they never did. So, like, we're getting a guy that Miami doesn't even want? Is he any good? I, mean, I thought he was There's supposed like to be good. Some, it's not. It's not a talent level thing. It's oh, okay. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So we're taking uh, somebody. Okay, gotcha. And like, it could be that Miami is totally wrong about Terrence Lewis. I mean, like, but it's not really a talent level thing with him and them. Gotcha. So, um, he is exceptionally talented by all accounts. Um, 
But I mean, who cares? Like, I, I don't, like, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe you do, maybe other people do. I do not give one shit what Quincy Avery says or thinks unless he is a patron to Reed's Ranch podcast. And is he? He's not. So I don't really care. I'm not saying I care either. I'm just explaining Bob's question. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I mean, do think I, we have answer- some really cringy fans. Well, duh. But I yeah, think everyone yeah. does. Everyone does, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to, I don't think anyone's going to make a decision not to come to Tennessee because of their fans. And I don't think like any decision about any coaches are going to be made like because of what is going on on Twitter.com. Uh, I mean, Dave Doran, I think he didn't come here because of it. Um, I meant like firing. Like, I mean, like it might be like, yeah, fan unrest is an aspect in it. But like if fan unrest is like something you're weighing about getting rid of the coach, then you're, you're going to get rid of him. Like he sucks ass. Right. Like it's just a matter of when, not if. Now, Dave Doran. Yeah. And so in that in that instance, it was positive. In the Greg Schiano instance, it was positive. So I think that like having raucous and and rowdy and extremely like passionate fans is good. It's, it's one of the things that makes the SEC special. You don't get this kind of thing at the big house. You have people. You have like one hundred fifty thousand people in the big house, and they're all sitting down like they're listening to a sermon on Sunday morning. They don't even stand up. They didn't even get lights until like the other day. I mean, this is this is why the SEC is special. I want to say I was like 2010, 2011. Yeah, no, I was being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. Love you, brother. Appreciate the conversation. We're at, we're at like too, an buddy. hour and ten minutes. We got to go. See ya. Bye bye. Yeah. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down, we can reenact things. Extreme like DMX sing. These boys pussy and they PMS sing. People in the city see the movement occurring and say, My God, I wanna be in that scene. Damn right, you wanna be in this scene. She had the video trying to be in this scene. Used to fantasize about being this scene. Bluegrass girl, but she got big dreams. Can't touch me, I got instincts. Locked in the house, but I'm plotting things. I brought a gang to the party with me. Five white boys, but they not in sync. <laughs> Fuck what y'all think Fuck everything that you say about me My dogs like to play Madden in 2K But one thing they don't do is play about me My homeboy Tyler, he playing South Beach He told me this summer he gon' fix my jumper I told Boy Wonder that we might got a thumper I've been trying to pop, now I'm on like Shumper Now they on my bumper Green room chock full of all my comforts Hotel room like heaven on earth Got angels in my bed with some all white covers Pro Nemo, Lucian Kiso, Sloop Clay Tufo, and I got a few more I call my brothers. I got a lot of flows and they all like butter. Ooh. You know what that means. I came home nice, but I'm going back mean. I'm about to glow trot when they know a vaccine. Motherfuckers act lost, but they know exactly what's going on. Made a mill and I don't know what to blow it on. I tell a critic, shut up like my show is on. Give a t-shirt to a set, throw it on. She want a mini high school classmates, I'm growing on. My peers ain't popping, they don't know what's going wrong. Y'all well-dressed, but you ain't got soul, and you just can't sew it on. I'm trying to tell y'all boys, I got a few songs I can sell y'all boys. I tried it back then, it was hell nah, boy. Now I'm in a box like a Kellogg's toy. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down, we can reenact things. Extreme like DMX sing. These boys pussy and they PMS sing. People in the city see the movement occurring and say, my God, I want to be in that scene. Damn right you want to be in this scene. She had the video trying to be in this scene. Used to fantasize about being this scene. Bluegrass girl, but she got big dreams. Can't touch me, I got instincts. Locked in the house, but I'm plotting things. I brought a gang to the party with me. Five white boys, but they not in sync.